Well, I want to share with you, actually, I've been preaching a series in my church, and so I thought I'd share with you from that, since it's, it's fresh uh, on my heart, uh, on being filled with the Spirit. And uh, this is such a fundamental and important thing that, I, that in fact, I'm making it a series in, in my church, but I want to give you something from that. Of course, the key verse here is Ephesians 5.18, where it says, be filled with the spirit or more literally be being filled with the with the holy spirit be being filled with the holy spirit and this is a continual thing first of all we should say this is um, not a one-time thing it's be being filled it's a continual state of being that we we should be filled with the spirit and, and this is not just a kind of special experience that we might have sometimes. It is actually very practical because if you look at what happens next in Ephesians chapter five, he's, he, he goes into all the different kinds, you know, yes, he says, giving thanks to God, praising God. And then he goes into all the different human relationships, husbands, wives, you know, um, in the workplace and all the rest. And if you look at it, it actually all flows out from being filled with the spirit. The idea is there are many things we need to do as Christians. There are many commandments as it were that we should keep. There's, but how do we do it? And we, one of the realizations we need to have is we cannot do it in our own strength. Um, we can only really do this and we can only be fruitful in the Christian life by being filled with the Holy Spirit. So how, you know, how can husbands and wives love one another and so on? Um, it says submitting to one another. And how can we be, be God glorifying in all our relationships? There is only one way, and that's by being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I wanted to encourage you on, on these lines. It's also a promise, although it is a command, be being filled with the spirit that's imperative, it's a command, but that's also a promise, because if God commands you to be filled with the spirit, then that means his spirit must always be available to you to fill you, all right? He wouldn't command something that was impossible. So the Holy Spirit is continually available to us to fill our souls, and uh, and therefore but it is up to us, however, to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. And, and so I, I want to talk about that, being filled with the Spirit, because actually God desires to fill you with his Spirit more than, 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 than you do. Um, let me just, um, just as a background here, I do, all my thinking about how these things work is based on the fact that we are designed to be a temple of God we are spirit soul and body we are a spirit we have a soul we live in a body so what do we mean when we say be filled with the spirit uh we're not really talking about our spirit being filled with the spirit because our spirit is already full of the holy spirit when if you are born again when you receive christ praise god the, the not you were made a new creation in your spirit but also the holy spirit came and to live inside your spirit so your spirit is already you know saved it's full of the holy spirit so primarily when we're talking about being filled with the spirit we're talking about our soul our mind or our will our emotions 
uh, it's our soul that needs to be filled with the spirit. When God created Adam, he uh, created his body, of course, from the dust of the earth, and then he breathed his spirit into, um, in, into that body, and then the fusion of the body and the uh, spirit or breath of God um, created the soul, and Adam was, became a living soul and the life source. We, so we, we do operate out of our soul, but the question is, are we operating on soul power or spirit power, Holy Spirit power? We are meant to operate by the life of God in the spirit. Um, Jesus said, it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh is of no avail. So only the spirits. So you might do try and keep all the right Christian principles and everything and say all the right words in your prayer, but it's only really lively and fruitful if you, your soul is being filled by the Holy Spirit. He is the, the real life source. And so the Holy Spirit lives in you, but the Holy Spirit wants to fill our soul and empower our soul. So that whether we're praying or obeying God in some other area, we are not doing it independently from God as a mechanical thing, but we are living under the newness of life that comes from the Holy Spirit. And um, we, 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 we must stay ever fresh in, in, in that reality. We are meant to live with the Holy Spirit as a dynamic duo. Praise God. He, he is given to us uh, to be our helper and um i believe that this is so important that we we learn to live in the in the power of the holy spirit and the problem that came in uh, in the in the fall of man is that adam as it were made a choice to be independent from god to live by the knowledge of good and evil within himself so that he could be, as it were, his own God. And we inherited from Adam something that Watchman Nee calls the independent soul life. There's, there is a tendency in our own soul just to um, do, um, do everything in our own strength. We all have to deal with this, you see. And, and uh, we are not designed to do that. In fact, when we try and do everything in our own strength, that's when we become stressed, worried, all the rest. That, that is a symptom that, that we're actually trying to do it ourselves. But our minds and our souls, uh, our emotions, uh, you know, we're not our willpower even, our naked willpower, is, is not, we're not designed to operate that way. Um, and therefore the soul struggles. We are designed, as it were, to be filled with the Spirit and for the Spirit to empower us and, and work through us. And, and so we need to learn how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to come under the Holy Spirit's uh, power. Um, you, you know, I, it's, you might think it's a bit of a silly illustration, but um, I remember this as a young Christian that um, he gives a story of, of a man who has been given a, a red uh, sports car and he goes around all his friends showing off his wonderful red sports car um and and uh, 
he pushes it from one house to the next house, showing, showing them, you know, look, look at my new car, you know, and if you compare that, look, look, I've, I've got the Holy Spirit, praise God. But actually the purpose of the car is, is to empower you. Um, sometimes we, we are just pushing uh, in our own strength. Uh, when really what we need to do is get into the the Holy Spirit and ignite the power of the Holy Spirit through our faith and then the Holy Spirit carries us through life rather than us struggling in our own strength and so Jesus introduced this of course in math in sorry John chapter 14 where he says we we are not meant to live the Christian life in our own strength because he has given us a helper the wonderful Holy Spirit. And we're meant to operate as a dynamic duo. John 14, verse 15. Yeah, I know you know these verses. John 14, 15. Jesus said, if you love me, so if, you, if you're a believer, if you're following Jesus, keep my commandments. Well, that's a, that's a big, that's a big ask. You know, that includes the whole New Testament, really. <laughs> um, and particularly walk in love. Um, but he doesn't stop there as if, right, okay, you do do this list of a of hundred things. It's probably more like a few hundred commandments in the New Testament. Uh, it, it, no, he immediately goes on in verse 16 and gives us how we can keep his commandments. If you, how we can fulfill his requirements. And he says in verse 16, I will pray the father and he will give you another helper. And in the Greek, this is another of the same kind. Uh, in other, now, we know that this is the Holy Spirit, which means just as Jesus is God, so the Holy Spirit is God. Just as Jesus is a person, the Holy Spirit is a person. Um, uh, and praise God. And just as, uh, and, and he is to be our helper. He is given to us to be our helper. And he says that he may abide with you forever. Praise God. Verse 17, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor know him. But you know him because he dwells with you and will be in you. Yes, they already knew about the Holy Spirit because Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And so he dwelt with them for three and a half years through through the presence uh, through Jesus. But now Jesus is announcing in the new covenant through his death and resurrection, he's going to bring into a new reality that the Holy Spirit will be in us. Praise God forever. He will come and live inside us so that just as Jesus operated through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can operate through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so he now lives inside us and the fact that he is our helper and i think that's a good translation means that the holy spirit is not there to do it apart from us but he he helps us to do it all right he doesn't love people instead of us but he will help us love people he will help us forgive people he will help us speak for god and witness and this uh is confirmed by the Greek word for helper, which is paraclete or parakletos, which means the one called alongside. Para is alongside and kletos is to be called. So the one who is called alongside. So although he's been sent by Christ 
to help us, to be alongside us, so that he's ready to help us, you have to call on his help. It's not an automatic thing. If you, if you have a helper, then you have to call on their help because God doesn't override your free will. And so it's important that we need to develop a fellowship with the Holy Spirit that we, we, we can quickly call on his help and ask him to fill us because he is available to us. But we need to call on him to empower us to pray. Help me, Holy Spirit, to, to pray and to help me, Holy Spirit, as I read the Bible, to reveal your word to me. Rather than trying to understand the Bible in my own strength, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And when you know that God wants you to do something, don't just go ahead and do it. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you do it. Um, and uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, there's an interesting, it, it says that uh, in the, when we are uh, feeling weak, because of the opposition against us, the resistance against us. It says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our infirmities. And, and uh, certainly that means that he is available to help us, but we have to call on him and trust him to help us. And the word here is quite interesting. It's, I like saying it because it's a very long Greek word. It's sun antilambano. Sun antilambano. Sun means together with. Anti means against. Lambano means to take hold of. So together, it says the Holy Spirit takes hold together with us against. So say you are praying and there is this opposition, there is this problem, whatever it might be. that You feel weak. You don't know exactly how to pray, but you ask the Holy Spirit to help you because he's there to help you. And he will then take hold together with you against that opposition, that resistance. And, and the moment that you ask for his help, he will take hold of your soul. He'll fill your soul. And by his strength, you can then take hold together with him, you know, as you pray in the spirit. And, and so I think sometimes we very easily, because of that independent soul life from Adam, we, even as believers, um, we very quickly and very easily just just fall into our own power, operating in our own power, and not constantly depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's really what I'm encouraging you uh, in 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 that way. And I want to give a couple of examples of this. If we could perhaps show the the, the first picture, when I was a school teacher. I was uh, uh, given the job, quite a nice job actually, of being in charge of the windsurfing club. And uh, once a week, I would take the, the boys down uh, windsurfing. And I have a picture of, the, of windsurfing, uh, if we've got that, um, that hopefully will, will help bring my words alive. Um, if not, never, never mind, I'll... I'll describe it. Um, ah, brilliant. Yes, uh, I was never that good at windsurfing, but uh, basically, um, 
this is a wonderful picture of being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, you, you can, um, if you don't uh, trust, well, the wind, of course, represents the Holy Spirit. The sail represents your soul, okay? And when, and it's very exhilarating, when you have a reliable wind uh, and you know what to do, you know how to cooperate with the wind, you know how to get the wind to fill that sail, then you get propelled along by that wind. You are not, you are just holding the sail in position. The wind is empowering you and you can move along at, at a nice speed. Now, how, what do you do? The alternative to that is, is to just, uh, you know, you know just try and keep flapping the sail in your own strength because often we try we flap our way through life you know we're, we're trying to do it in our own strength and it's 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 not as easy as it looks to do this kind of windsurfing because if you imagine that there's a, a wind blowing and and you're standing on you know on your board um the the wind uh, what you have to do is lift up first of all the sail so that it catches the wind now if, if you're not careful that sail will just then carry you over the board back into the sea okay if if you don't know what to do you've got to lift up and i want you to notice you first of all he has to lift up the sail into the wind present the sail to the wind and allow the wind to fill the sail then he has to lean back and he has to lean back and that's you know counterintuitive because you if you if you try and lean back you're afraid aren't you that you might fall and so you have to trust the wind to hold you up and when you lift up the sail you've got to immediately lean back and use your weight to hold the sail in position um and, th and then you, you move along. If you get it wrong, you're, you're in, in the water. If the wind isn't there, of course, you'll fall in the water. But what I'm saying to you is that the Holy Spirit is a reliable wind. And we are not often moving in the Holy Spirit because we are, do not present our sail to the Lord to be filled. Our sail is your soul. Okay. And it's designed to operate by the wind of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's different reasons why, you know, we don't surrender our soul to the Holy Spirit. One thing is, is um, because we don't want to lose control. In John 3.13, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is like the wind which blows where he wishes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So in other words, when to be filled with the spirit, you have to release control to a degree to him. Now, he'll never override your free will, but you have to be willing to let him carry you where he wants to go. If you want to keep the control that you've decided where you want to go and and so forth and how fast and all the rest, then um, then you'll then all then you won't have his power and you'll just have to flap, try and flap your way there. But it's much more exciting to let the wind fill your sail and let him carry you along. But you have to lean on him. You have to lean back. You have to trust him to hold you up. All right. And 
The other thing that gets in the way is insecurity because we're afraid of trusting someone else to hold us up. So there's instinctively, we need to hold ourselves off because if I will lean back like that, will the Holy Spirit really, really hold me up? And that's the other limitation. So what, what happens, and we all have to grow in trusting our souls to the Holy Spirit. We all have to grow in that because um, if you were windsurfing, for example, um, when I, I actually had to learn it as a teacher, and so I could lean back a little bit I, and, and then I could move at a certain speed. But if, I, if, if the wind got stronger, it, it, you'd start getting really nervous and uh, because then you've got to lean back more and and there was a limit based on what i could handle you know but as you get better you can lean back more you can trust more and you can have greater speeds but that's i think is a very good picture of that if we could go back to the we'll get to the second picture in a minute but can we get back to the um mainstream so i can see my notes again um thank you um so praise god you have to for the wind to fill your sail um you have to keep the sail in a receptive position by leaning back and trusting the wind to hold you up and in the same way for our souls to be filled with the spirit we have to lean on him trust him to uphold us and he will we will then be propelled forward by the way, the, that's how Peter describes the writers of the scriptures. He says they were men of God who were born along by the Holy Spirit as, as, they, as they wrote by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, carried along by the Holy Spirit as a sailor, as a sailing uh, vessel is carried along by the wind. Um, it's much more fun living that way, let me say. But, you, but we have to do it. Now, this is... This illustration is given in the Bible, and we sung about it earlier in Isaiah 40, verse 29 to 31. Uh, yeah, I know you know it well, but um, it says, Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. One thing I can take out of that is that the sometimes we don't receive his power because we're not weak. We, we put it this way, we think we're strong. We think we can do this very much because we've done it before. Therefore, God, it's fine. I don't need you on this one. You know, I know how to pray, God. I don't need you in, in this situation, you know, or I've, 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 I've preached before. So, Lord, I don't need you to help me with this message. We, do, we are not aware of our weakness. We think we can do it in our own strength and we don't qualify for this promise but he gives power to the weak so if you feel weak that's great because you have fulfilled the first condition to receive his power all right he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might he increases strength so he's ready and willing to give you the strength and and by his spirit even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall but those who wait on the lord shall renew their strength and, and i would translate this if you like lift up their souls to the lord like like you would lift up the, the sail 
because if you, if the sail is on the ground in the water, it's not going to pick up any wind. You have to lift up. And in the same way, you have to lift up your soul to the wind so that the spirit can fill your soul. And so waiting on the Lord is, is looking to God and lifting up your soul to God, uh, looking for his wind, as it were, to, to fill you. And it says, they shall renew their strength. God will not let you down if you do that. You shall renew them, your strength. And they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary and they'll walk and not faint. And let, let me make a comment here because <clears throat> this is a beautiful translation in the King James. They will mount up with wings like eagles. And it's so beautiful that all the translations uh, use the same expression and make the same mistake. All right. They miss the point of this verse because it does. The, you should strike out the word with. All right. But it's not it's not saying there now it's understood that eagles saw. All right. That's the result. But what this is actually saying here is how do they saw? What they do is they mount up their wings. Just like you lift up that sail to catch the wind. Uh, what an eagle does if it wants to soar is it will lift up its wing. That's what this word means. It will raise up its wings and it will lock them in position to catch the wind. That's what you have to do. You have to lift up your soul to God so in faith that you can now trust him to fill your sail, your wings. And so that's what it actually says. They shall mount up or raise up their wings like eagles. And, and that's the key action that an eagle, because if an eagle just keeps his wings down the side, nothing's going to happen. He has to mount up his wings in position to catch the wind. And then, praise God, he will start soaring. Praise God, because the wind will, will carry him. But he, he has to, he, he, he doesn't get weary. He can fly for miles and miles. He doesn't get weary because he's not doing it in his own power. He's soaring by the power of the wind. He doesn't flap around like some of the other birds have to flap around because he's learned how to catch the wind in his strong wings. And so this is what he's saying will happen if we truly lift up our wings to the Lord, wait on the Lord, we will receive his strength. And, and of course, the eagle then has to soar to a degree where the, where the, where the wind takes him. He has to follow the thermals to, to, to rise up higher and so forth. So you have to, uh, this is why we don't do it as, as much as we ought to, because we have to release control to, to the wind. We have to release control to the Holy Spirit. So when you, you know, submit your day to the Lord, yes, there may well be some fixed things to do, but you have to, in a sense, say, God, I want you to fill me. Uh, implicitly, you are releasing control to him that actually when he starts blowing in your soul, he may fill you with a desire to do something different to what you planned. He might anoint you to talk to someone that you had no plans to talk to you know you have to release control to him you can't keep the control if you if you insist on keeping full control then there'll be no wind and you'll just have to flap about 
um, and, and get stressed. Uh, there's your, our options. So um, let's have a look at the eagle, um, if we could, and, and it, um, and uh, just to see it. Uh, and then you can remember, praise God, that that's, uh, that's you, praise God. And it's wonderful when you catch the wind. The other thing about an eagle is he rises up higher, which is um, a, partly that means uh, obviously closer to God, a greater degree of holiness. And also then you can see everything from above. You can see everything from God's perspective. In other words, you start operating in a spirit of wisdom. You, you can see and you can understand um, from above. And of course, the eyes of an eagle are very sharp. So he has tremendous vision of everything. So we, we can either live life on ground level and all we can see is what, what's in front of us in the natural. Or we can wait on the Lord and we can let him fill, fill our souls. And then, uh, as well as being strengthened and empowered, we are also able to see things as, as he sees them. Praise God from a higher point of view. We are no longer trapped um, in the world. We are, we are soaring above it. All right. Thank you. If we could go back again um, to the normal uh, screen. Praise God. So hopefully I'm motivating you to, to be like an eagle. Ephesians 5.18 again. He says, be, uh, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be being filled with the spirit. So the alternative is to, to, to imbibe naturally. And therefore the implication is we have to imbibe spiritually. Instead of imbibing from the carnal things like wine, uh, there's nothing wrong with a bit of wine, but to be drunk with wine is wrong. But the implication is it's good instead to be filled, really filled, uh, drunk, if you like, but def definitely filled. In other words, not don't just take a little sip, but be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. This is available to us. We can be filled a bit or we can be filled a lot. It's up to us how much of the, our sail we present to the wind and how much we lean back to catch the wind. Praise God. The Holy Spirit wants to fill our souls with, first of all, with his love. I mean, Romans 5, 5 says, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So our heart is the deepest part of our soul and it's right next to, to the spirit. And, uh, and so the Holy Spirit is pouring the love of God into our hearts. And so the, the more we get, are filled with the spirit, the more we will be filled with his love. And the Holy Spirit, we, we needn't have any doubt that if we ask him to fill us with the Holy Spirit, he will give us the Holy Spirit into our hearts because that's where we operate from. We operate from our souls, from our hearts. Um, James 4, 5 is a nice verse on this. It says, do you think, James 4, 5, 
Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us, that's the Holy Spirit, yearns jealously. Now, he's like a jealous lover. He wants, in other words, he wants to, he's jealous for you. He wants all of you. He wants to fill your soul. He wants to possess your soul. He wants to come into your soul and and fill it and and as it were possess and he won't violate your free will but he greatly desires but it's he's waiting for us to come to him and lift up our souls to him and allow him to fill and empower us praise god and and so it reminds me of the jesus words in matthew eleven twenty eight. he says come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden. And this is us flapping around in our own strength, all right? Trying to live life and carry our burdens in our own strength. And, and it's hard work. What's the answer? Verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Now, the, the yoke is the Holy Spirit. The yoke of God is the Holy Spirit because the yoke is what is a yoke is something that connects you to another right to, uh, to a married couple are yoked to each other they are connected to each other we are connected to god through the holy spirit in fact you're 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 yoked to one thing or another the bible talks about yokes of oppression okay you you can be yoked to a negative spiritual power um and the Bible says the answer for that it, in Isaiah 10, 27, he says the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. In other words, the enemy's yoke will be destroyed when once it's replaced by God's yoke, by the anointing, by the Holy Spirit. So, you, you know, if when you're in the flesh, actually you're, you're yoked to actually to the sin nature and even demonic powers perhaps and and so we have to when we get ourselves into the presence of god and we take his yoke upon us the presence of the holy spirit in our souls sets us free where the spirit of the lord there is liberty he sets us free from all the yokes of the enemy and so he says the answer is to take my yoke upon you or in other words be filled with the holy spirit Bring yourself under the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's our choice. We, we are given the choice for that. And then he says, and learn from me, because he will teach you through the yoke. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart. He says, you don't need to be afraid, because that's one of the problems. We're, we're afraid of submitting to the power of God. He says, you don't need to be afraid, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. So when you take the yoke upon you, you know when you're under the power of the Holy Spirit because your soul comes into rest. It isn't because you're not doing anything and, and you, you can sleep in bed all day or anything like that. It's just that you are now being filled with his power and your soul is at peace. The sign that you are submitted to the Lord is the peace of God in your heart like it says in philippians 4 have no anxiety about anything but by everything by prayer and supplication let your requests be named known to god right surrender your 
soul and your situation to God and the peace of God, which passes understanding. In other words, the peace of God doesn't come from your mental realm. Right. You can't create peace by imagining beautiful yourself on a beach or something. You know, the real peace of God cannot be conjured up from your own soul. It passes understanding. In other words, it comes from the spirit. It comes from the realm of the spirit. And the moment you surrender your soul to God, the, the peace of God will, the presence of God will fill your soul and you will come into a state of peace. Even while everything's going wrong around you, your soul is being filled with this peace. Okay, so you will find rest for your souls. Your soul is now under the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, for my yoke is easy. That literally means it fits well. It, it's, a, it's a lovely fit. And my burden is light. In other words, that which I require you to do is light. Why? Because the spirit will do the heavy lifting. All right. Hopefully I'm making it more attractive to you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, what we tend to do because of our independent soul life, we tend to do everything in our own strength. And then when we, we have to hit something of a crisis, when we really, uh, you know, everything's going wrong. And finally, we call out to God and say, God, help me. All right. And then, then we're prepared to admit our weakness. But it, how much better it would be if we uh, learn to continually depend on the, on the holy spirit to fill us now in this is in ephesians and this is uh i just wanted to kind of continue by showing how this is really the central theme of ephesians um for instance like i said in ephesians 5 he says be being filled with the spirit and then he talks about be filled with the spirit husbands love your wives how are you going to do that be filled with the spirit. Wives, submit to your husbands, respect your husbands. How are you going to do that? By being filled with the spirit, because they're not always going to be perfect. You know, um, then it talks about employees and employers and all that. And then finally, in Ephesians 6.10, he gets to prayer and spiritual warfare. All right. And then he, he could have just carried on in the same way, because he is saying you need to if you're going to enter into prayer and intercession, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but he emphasizes it by saying it again in before he says anything else about prayer. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Pretty much the same thing. In other words, be, be strong or literally be empowered in the Lord and in the power of his might. So in other words, the power of God is available to you continually, but it's up to you to lay hold of that power and, and, and receive that power to empower you. And then you, you do everything else um, in Ephesians 6. But if you try and do Ephesians 6 without first of all being filled with the spirit, it, it won't quite work the same way. Now, how do we access this power? And I, I think the key thing is, is, in, is described in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. Ephesians 1.17, 1 
Paul prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the Spirit. So we are to here. Paul is praying for them to to have the Spirit. Now, of course, they already have the Holy Spirit because they're believers. But what he's praying is for the Spirit to fill their soul, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, for the Holy Spirit to fill their soul. Now he's praying for them, but I'm sure Paul prayed this for himself, and I'm and I'm sure this is a good prayer to pray for ourselves. And and really, it's through prayer that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. It might be a very quick prayer. It might just be, Holy Spirit, fill me right now. I need you right now. Help me in this situation right now. And it could be for small situations or big situations. But um, sometimes we only ask God to fill us in, in a, if we think it's something important, really important. But I think we should be praying, we should be living this way rather than just for special occasions. Um, we should pray that the Father would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, I want you to, to fill me so that I know your will and I know how to act and do your will. And, and then he says that, that we should pray for this spirit of revelation, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. And then he describes verse three. This is the key thing in verse 19. I'm sorry, Ephesians 1.19. We should pray that we would have a revelation of what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Now, the, the power toward us who believe is the power in the Holy Spirit. He wants to empower us in our life right now. And when it says the, his power toward us who believe, this is the power that is, it's, it's the word EIS. It's, it simply means into. The power that is operating into us from, us, from the spirit into our soul. There is a power in the Holy Spirit that wants to flow and is freely available to us that is there to flow and fill our soul. But we need to have a spirit of, of revelation so that we might know that power so that we might have faith to lay hold of that power, you see. So it's good to pray for that. Lord, give me that spirit of revelation that I might know uh, what the greatness of this power that's available to me. Praise God. To us who believe. And then he says, what kind of power are we talking about? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. One day, uh, that, that power was fully released in Christ and transformed his spirit, soul, and body and glorified him. One day, that power is going to be fully released in you and it will glorify you. But that power is available to us right now to handle the little things of this life. Um, and we have a choice to flap around in our own strength or get good at laying hold of, of that power. We access this power through prayer, through waiting on the Lord. Yeah. And looking to him to fill us 
with his spirit. And, and it should be understood that when we ask God to fill us with his spirit, this is not coming, this should not come from a motivation of, oh God, I want to have a, a spiritual experience. All right. Nothing wrong with spiritual experiences, but, but really this would, this works best when our heart is to do God's will. God, I want to, I want you to be glorified in this situation. I want to speak the words you want me to speak. I want you to, to act in this relationship the way you want me to act. And so when you ask God to fill you with his spirit, it's to do his will. It's to glorify him. And if, if you're asking with that motivation, then it's going to work well. All right. Um, and Ephesians chapter three, the Paul continues this prayer, really, in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, you know it well, but this is a, a classic prayer, really, for being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want a prayer to, whereby to do that, he says in Ephesians 3.14, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom, uh, so that's a submissive attitude he's in. You, you're filled with the Spirit by being submissive to God. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So you are, you're, his, you're his child. He loves you. He wants to fill you with himself. And here's the prayer, verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now, his glory is his outshining. So, so God is wanting to impart himself to you. That's his glory. He's, he's, he, he's rich. And he wants to impart his riches to you. He is radiating his glory to you. Um, and he will fill you as much as you are receptive. And here's the prayer that to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That's your heart. All right. The inner man. So we but we are to pray for for it we are to invite him to fill our souls we pray that he would strengthen lord strengthen me with might through your spirit in the inner man you can pray that in faith because he will definitely hear and answer that prayer so you need his strength within you strength what strength to do his will strength not to compromise strength to to serve him strength to be patient to continue and so forth, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Notice Christ is in your spirit, but we, we need Christ and his spirit to dwell in our hearts through faith. So again, faith is the key thing that we, we are trusting that the Holy Spirit's been given to us. He's our helper. He's our power source. As we trust in him we can uh, receive him to fill our souls and then he says when he comes he in the, particularly brings his love the love of christ that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width length depth and height and to know the love of christ that is to to experientially know his love in you all right. Um, I, I, it, he's not just talking about that you would have a mental concept of his love, 
but you will experience his love, which passes knowledge. Notice what that means is it doesn't come from your mental realm. It comes from the spirit. There are things that only God can do by his life within you. And then he says that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. Praise God. So this is a, a, a prayer that is clearly a Holy Spirit inspired prayer that we should pray that God would strengthen us by his spirit in our inner man. Fill us with the love of Christ. Uh, praise God. And then we will become more like him. And then just to, to bring this towards a conclusion, um, we can we can pray this. This is how we might pray this for ourselves. And, and I'm just going to pray it right now. And uh, I invite you just to make this your prayer. Um, I bow my knees to you, Father, that you would grant me, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with might through your spirit in my inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith, that being rooted and grounded in love, I might comprehend the width, depth, height, and length, and to know by personal experience the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that my soul might be filled with the fullness of God. Praise God. And, and then Paul concludes in verse 20, Ephesians 3.20, this wonderful verse, jam-packed with, with importance. Now to him who is able to do, what is he able to do? He is able to fill you with himself, to fill you with the fullness of God, to fill you with the Holy Spirit, to fill you with his love, to fill you with his wisdom and revelation. He's, he is able to do, not just do what you ask, but do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us so god works he is already inside you in your spirit and now that his that's his base of operation inside you his power now is working inside you and it's got to flow through your soul you see that that power has to flow through your soul because god will not bypass your free will so this power works in us and it needs to fill our soul all right now he notice what he's saying here we need to unpack this a little bit the power of the holy spirit is available to us that's that's clear this power is working in us but we do limit god by our asking and our thinking that's why he talks about above all that we ask or think it doesn't mean that this is just going to happen automatically. It's, it, it has to flow through us, so through our soul. Uh, and therefore, it's, it's limited by our asking and by our thinking. Okay, So first of all, it is limited by our asking. In other words, if we don't ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, then we're not going to receive much. I know God does special things even when we're lazy, but um, as a general principle, he will, uh, if we don't ask, we, we don't receive. 
but if we ask, we will receive. So he needs us to ask him to fill us. Um, he, he needs us to be hungry and thirsty and to ask him, and then we will be filled. What about the thinking part, though? Because um, that's also important. Because the, the more that we meditate in God's word, the more that we know God's word, the more that our thinking, as it were, grows in line with God's word, then the greater our faith will be when we ask. And, and then the more of his grace we will be able to appropriate, to, to lay hold of. So the degree of, let's put it this way, how much God can fill your sails that does depend on your asking, how much you, you present your sail to, to God and, and, and your thinking. All right. Um, if your thinking is not renewed by the word of God very much, then you won't have a great expectation of of God to fill you. But the more, you know, you, your mind is renewed and that's what I'm trying to help you in and, and myself at the same time by sharing on this to renew our mind and building our expectation that we our thoughts can be bigger. And, um, and so that when we come to God, we come with a greater faith. And, and so our asking and our thinking are important because they represent uh, the capacity of our soul to receive his spirit. So what is Paul actually saying here? He's basically saying, above all that we ask or think. In other words, he's saying, However much you grow in your asking, however big your prayers become, assuming that, you know, even that they're real prayers rather than just you're using highfalutin language that is just, you know, designed to impress others. Uh, I'm talking about real asking. All right. However big and bold your asking becomes. However you however much you grow in your thinking and in your believing of what god can do in your life he's saying you're you will only be tapping into the very shallow depths of what god can actually do in your life in other words you the, however good you are at drawing upon god's power you, you know don't worry about god all right you are not going to short circuit the fuses of heaven because you're 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 telling me you're making such a demand he's saying whatever you ask or think god's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think right you're you're, you're just tapping the edges of what's available to you so however you grow even if you are growing 50 years in your life being faithful for 50 years and and you've come to a place where you're you're able to ask and lay hold of of god in a bigger way God is still, you know, you're, you're, you're just touching the edges of what God can actually do. So, again, you don't need to worry that somehow you're stretching God's ability to, to answer your prayers. <laughs> so uh, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we are. He's, he's really, Paul is maxing out language just to get us to understand um, the, the massiveness of what is available to us. And so 
Um, and then he says, it's according to the power that works within us. And then he says, to him be the glory in the church. And this is why we should be filled with the spirit, apart from any other reason. The other reasons is we're, we're simply not very good without the Holy Spirit. We're not very fruitful. We might think we are, but certainly in God's economy, it doesn't amount to anything. Without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Well, we can do stuff, but it, it amounts to nothing. So why should we be filled with the Spirit? Well, if we're not filled with the Spirit, even if we are quite good at doing certain things and in human terms, uh, it's us that would get the glory because it's basically our work. We're doing it from our own soul, from our own strength. We get the glory. But that what's the point of that? We don't want that, do we? But if we allow God to fill the whole fill us with the Holy Spirit, if we let God empower us, then as we do, as we're obedient, but it's God doing it through us, and he gets the glory. That's the great thing, because we know really that even though we did it, we know really we, we only did it by the grace of God. You know, it was his power that carried us along. So um, that's why he says to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And, and so I believe that's, that's really what, um, you know, in, in my series, and I, I think I'll, I will close it out there. I've, I've lost track of time as usual. Um, but um, in my series, and I'll just leave this for your own thoughts that um, I, I'm going through the Beatitudes because I believe the Beatitudes um, are the keys to being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, um, but, you know, I won't develop that. But, for instance, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You know, if we think we can manage by ourselves, we will not turn to him for help. But if we realize we're poor in ourselves and we need him to fill us with his spirit, then there ours will be the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, if we're not thirsty to be filled with the Holy Spirit because we're self-satisfied, how can he fill us? But if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we, we will be filled um, and so forth. But I'm, that, that would be a, another message. I would just want to leave you with one final thing I think that will interest you. Um, in Isaiah 11, 2 and 3, and I believe this is the, the key to being filled with the Spirit, perhaps, that I would want to leave with you. The, and this is a picture of, this is related to the menorah, you know, the menorah in the temple that has the seven uh, lights with, with the oil of the Spirit. And uh, it says in... It, this is a picture of Christ, but it's also a picture of us, I believe, uh, being filled with the Spirit. Uh, when we're fully filled with the Spirit, then we will be shining with all these, these seven lights. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord, the sevenfold Spirit of God, in other words. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. So when the Holy Spirit fills you, he, he fills you with authority, with wisdom, which is knowing what to do, uh, understanding, 
the spirit of counsel, how to, what counsel you should give to others, and might, praise God. In other words, the spirit will give you the strength. He'll empower you to do God's will. The spirit of knowledge. But this is the one I wanted to point out to you. And of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. So one of the important things the Holy Spirit does in us is he gives us the fear of the Lord, which is really um, respect for his authority, submission to God. And then it said, then it emphasizes the fear of the Lord in verse three. And his delight is in the fear of the Lord. And again, it's a nice translation, but it, it's the translators don't really understand how to translate it because they don't understand the concept. That's, that's me thinking this. Because if you look at the original Hebrew here, it's not really delight. It's the word, the in-breath. His in-breath is in the fear of the Lord. In other words, your ability to breathe in the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, is in the fear of the Lord. So the more submitted your heart is to God, like I said, to be, to be filled with the Spirit, it will work best when you want to do God's will. And, and, and you ask God to fill you with his Spirit to do his will. Then in the fear of the Lord, you will be able to breathe in the Holy Spirit. If you are just doing your own will and you're just asking God to fill you to do your own will, then it's, it's not really going to work very well, particularly if it's contrary to God's will. It, it, the, uh, you just won't be able to access the anointing to do something that's just your will, you know. But you, his in-breath is in the fear of the Lord. Now, I'll tell you something that you'll like, that just to leave you with this. Um, the menorah in the temple had the seven lights, but there was an order in which those lights were lit. The light that was closest to the Holy of Holies was the Western light. And that light was meant to stay alight all the time. That light was lit from the altar, okay? Um, the, the, the fire, the, the, the fire that lit up that light came from the altar. And it was meant to stay alight the whole time. Now that, if you check out the order there in Isaiah 11, that light is the fear of the Lord. Okay. And that light is the, the one that was the closest to the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. So, and, and then the other lights were lit from the Western light. So the way the sequencing works like this, that, that that light represents you in the fear of the Lord. You are able to receive the light from God's presence into your soul. Once that fear of the Lord is activated, then the other lights can be lit up. That's why it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of everything because you've, you've got to have the fear of the Lord activated in your heart then those other lights will be lit up through that fear of the lord because the fear of the lord was the part of the menorah that was pointed directly and closest to the holy of holies
And so I wanted to give that as the, the key, number one key perhaps, is to receive the Holy Spirit, is, is the fear of the Lord. Then the rest of your menorah is, is going to get lit up. So in short, you know, at the start of the day, when you're about to do something important, when you're about to pray, present yourself to God to do his will. Ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Ask him to give you the spirit of knowledge, to know what to do, spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom, and the spirit of might to do his will. And then your life will, will go uh, much better. You won't have to flap around so much. You'll be like that windsurfer, all right? And it will be more fun as well. Bless you. I'll hand back to you now. Well, I'm sure everyone is feeling that you just really want to just take that one minute now to respond. I see Christine's got a question, but maybe, maybe in some way you just want to say to 